Hey everyone, it's Luca here. Welcome back to Live Work Digital. Um, the timing seems right for me to update and refresh this podcast and the blog. And I thought it would be a good time for me to give people an update as to what I've been doing and how I've been going in general. So, I mean, like most people around the world, the last couple of years, life has been governed by uh, the pandemic and what we need to do and what we can't do and restrictions and checking in and all those sorts of things. But currently, I'm actually based in Singapore and I've been here most of the the last 12 months um, and have just recently come back from a trip to Melbourne uh, in Australia. So um, around the you know, New Year's Eve till March, I was in, in Melbourne and I've just recently come back. So this gave me an opportunity to, to see how Melbourne looked uh, coming out of lockdown compared to here uh, and compare how Melbourne was considering that I lived through the first year of the pandemic in Melbourne and vividly remembered how I felt and going through everything, studying, driving as an Uber driver and just feeling a little bit helpless where every day just seemed to be the same day, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't meet anyone, had the coffee, um, you know, went to the shops, got my toilet paper, you know, all of those things that we vividly remember. And it's actually quite strange now thinking about uh, when we talk to people, how we, you know, we refer to remember the first year of the pandemic. So we're actually in year three now. So it's actually quite mind blowing that, you know, that it, it's, it's come really quickly that we're here, but it, it felt like a long time getting to here at the same time. But um, I mean, I went back to Melbourne during the Omicron, pre- Omicron peak uh, in the new year, and it was an interesting trip um, in that it felt like people were trying to get COVID just to get over with it. There was thousands of people, thousands of cases. I think everyone had had enough of, of everything that's happened and they just wanted to let their hair down. So it was a culmination of the lockdowns where people just wanted to be free and to party. Uh, you know, like the normal days before things hit the fan a couple of years ago. So it was all about people going out, people not caring about uh, the consequences and all those things that restricted people from being, you know, what we called normal and free um, was behind them for a few weeks. So um, when I got there, even my oldest son got it. So it was, you know, bunkering down didn't get COVID either. So it was actually quite fortunate that I was able to manage that. I did actually get a little bit sick, but none of the tests actually positive. So it was actually quite interesting. And maybe that might be just because of the different environment and being used to humidity back to Melbourne as well. So, um, but in January, uh, even when I was driving, it was a really strange time. The you know, numbers started spiking. The news back into Singapore was sounding grim. Um, I actually did a PCR test in Singapore. It cost me $180 roughly and uh, had to do PCR tests within 24 hours of arriving back into Melbourne. And then, um, so this was before the rat or the antigen test requirements hit us um, in January. So um, what I remember is that the beginning of January was 
actually pretty quiet. Um, people are either still school or holiday mode. And I think people went uh, out of Melbourne as much as they could because they, they could move out again. Um, oh, I think people just continue to keep a low profile at home because of the um, spike in Omicron cases. But uh, I guess while I was there, I was fortunate enough to to work as an Uber driver again. So I, all throughout this time, I've been active. I've been active since the very start. Uh, eight years ago when Uber first came out, I think I've mentioned that before. So very fortunate that I can jump on and out uh, as much as I could. So I drove and I saw all these places, uh, just like I did through the pandemic right from the beginning, but uh, it was still pretty weird early January. It wasn't until late January that um, things started to become normal, started getting busier. People probably came back from school holidays, you know, people slowly getting back to work, maybe in their offices, but it was actually quite strange that in Melbourne, in the CBD, how it's empty and quiet and you know, eerie the place was, especially in the mornings. Um, the peaks towards the end of January from a you know, driving peak point of view started to get a bit busier at that time, uh, but it was only the peaks and everything in between was still pretty quiet from a, a traffic point of view. But um, at that time also, you know, the contract tracing and checking into everywhere was still around. Um, it was a bit haphazard though. Um, most people generally ignored it uh the checking in sometimes the you know the shop owners cafe owners will ask you to do it but sometimes it's at the door some businesses were still using paper um so that was actually an interesting contrast to me being in singapore because in singapore you could not go anywhere do anything uh without checking into sh everywhere essentially so um so that was a, a main difference and like you know quite often I had to grab my phone and then being in Melbourne like I'd be lazy so you know didn't really check into most places where people didn't check so so that was an interesting thing um the other odd thing was that I did catch up with some people that had been traveling through other states um and it seems that every state had a different app to check uh, to, to check in with the QR, QR code thing. So, you know, if people have been traveling to different states for holidays, um, everyone had multiple apps uh, through traveling and that's obviously only in Australia. So, um, but given the way the premise dealt with their power and how they thought the states needed to manage their day-to-day -day living, it's not entirely surprising. So, um, but you know, it was uh, it was an actually fascinating time. It was really good. Um, kids going back to sport. My my sons play cricket, so essentially I, I watched a lot of cricket, a lot of uh, them doing their thing, and it's it was a really good opportunity for me to see how they fared coming out of lockdown. Uh, my one of my biggest fears was their impact on kids and their friends on sports so uh, my kids actually play cricket and uh, the fortunate thing for them they're playing through the summer so through the summer there hasn't been the lockdowns uh, like in other places around the world or other sports that have been impacted through the winter the other thing was when people wanted to travel interstate for holidays 
especially end of uh, end of December, start of January, people needed to do PCR tests. So now in Australia or in Melbourne, they were free in all the testing centres, but inevitably what happened was that all these testing centres were inundated with people. Um, I had I actually had the pleasure of visiting two of these centres. Um, I had to do uh, the one seven days after I returned and uh, the week after I did another one, uh, which uh, I had to do because I was in close contact living in the same house as my son who, who got COVID. So, um, so I actually waited twice for one's two and a half hours, one or two hours time with my son in the car crawling along to um, the, the showgrounds in Melbourne and um, just had to wait to get the test done. And in the end, it was really strange because my second PCR test I received before my first PCR test. So essentially I still had to, um, even though my rat tests that I had done in between were, were okay, um, I still, for two weeks of my first, my trip back in, in Australia, I actually didn't really do anything but watch Netflix and do all those things that people did and um, kept a low profile. So, um, but again, it, it's kind of showed me how crazy the time was and, uh, you know, really quickly towards the end of January, things changed. We only need to do the antigen tests um, and the shortages of the tests and then suddenly the supplies and all the rest of it slowly came out of it. By the time I came back to Singapore in March, things had slowly started to open and the biggest thing also was um, events started to open up and uh, by the time the football started in, in Melbourne, uh, crowds were 70% and moving forward. So I think now in May, uh, there are no restrictions to those sort of events as well. And the other thing, the major thing over there is for quite a long time, they still have to wear masks. Um, I think most people generally wear masks in public transport and, and rideshare still though. So in Singapore, there's there's no real surprises. Through the whole pandemic, they're always very measured. And here it's black and white. Uh, people know what you can and can't do. And it's always been the case here. And things are very me measured and the approach to coming out of them pandemic was a very cautious one there was always announcement as to what was happening and then announcements where they decided to not move forward and sit back a little bit and move backwards a little bit so there's a lot of that sort of thing where it seemed like normal but I would go on a bike ride in the middle of the week on uh, midday where in normal times you would have people and tourists everywhere around Marina Bay uh, and it was still a really weird for most of last year where I could literally get a, a photo, a selfie of the Malayan Marina Bay in anywhere in that area where uh, there were no tourists, which kind of showed me that the only people that uh, go to those places are tourists, really. So, um, but slowly, slowly, that's uh, sort of been opening up. Uh, in Singapore, I likened it to living under the same roof as strict parents. So, you know, it's very micromanaging, but there's no real surprises. Um, and you know that if they were opening up, whatever the vaccination status, you know, they will open up. You, you kind of know that um, uh, the place is ready to open up because they, they don't jump into things really quickly here. So Melbourne, throughout the pandemic, when I was living in Melbourne, looking into Melbourne from the outside, 
it just looked like the sessions were made randomly based on the science medical fact of the day that they come up with um, that suited their their strategy to for their public relations as to how they want to appear to the public so uh, typical sort of stuff in Singapore masks are optional outdoors uh, and group gatherings are now increasing so that looks kind of looks normal uh, during the weekends there's always massive crowds and during the newfound freedom in the parks and beaches because there's no restrictions there's no social distancing as such that people still encourage it um, there's tourists again uh, like I said Marina Bay there's people are a little bit everywhere selfies uh, tiktokers are up and about um, and, and, and there's small crowds also gathering around the Malayan and Starbucks and you know all of these different places as well so it's really good that things are looking at uh, opening up but uh, one of the things that I only just literally finished up was the everyone had to check in on their app so the trace together app links just about everything in Singapore um, and it's a one-stop shop so you know, immigration um, any visas permits and all the rest of it run through this app and vaccinations and all the rest of it so um, the place had become ingrained um, in daily life where you know you, you had to check into the hawker centers you had to check in to uh, the shopping centres, and then you separately had to check in to the shops. So, um, so that's only just been lifted. There is still potentially some check-ins that need to be into major events. Um, but the key thing here is that the understanding that using the Trace Together app creates information, uh, and contact tracing requirements use that information to to track everything obviously um, from what I hear in Australia most of the time at the end of the check-ins and this is probably why people didn't really care about checking in at the end of the day was people started to realize that the information was still not was, was not you being used to contact tracing anyway because um, the cases were so much so high that it was just too hard to manage by the looks uh, and in the end you know the Omicron wave um, subsided uh, end of February March moving forward anyway so um, but yeah that's a that's just the, the biggest change here so we haven't had to do that we still actually have to wear uh, masks indoors so in the shops um, in the lifts so uh, but outside public transport uh, sorry public transport you still do but outside of that it, it's it's one of the you know, really simple freedoms that i'm enjoying here and a lot of people enjoying uh here so for instance um between that and having been able to ha have no restrictions as to who visited you has been a thing that we that we forgot about here because as an example if we were for the most part you could uh, you know you could invite someone for dinner but only two and then five and then eight and then back to five people uh but now you know the simple pleasures of having a barbecue uh, in the condo i met with 15 people was you know, a big release so uh, so that's very cool uh the other thing i'm waiting for are running events so singapore there's in the past i've always had running events triathlon events 
Spartans, obstacle racing, tough mudders and all of that sort of thing. So um, the last couple of years, there haven't been much of that happening. There's been a couple of different virtual or simplified events um, the last six to nine months, running um, and triathlon type events. So, but it, you know, I've been running for 10 years now and I'm just waiting for more running events to happen. For instance, the uh, you know, Singapore Marathon last year was run, but they didn't really have a full marathon. There was a 10K, 5K type races, and it was limited to, I think, 200 people for the whole Saturday-Sunday event schedule. So, um, And it was staggered starts as well. So you might run in you know, lines of four people uh, at a time, and then you, you keep going all the rest of it but um, the, of course we had to check in back then as well this was October 2021 uh, but you know, one of the but the good news is that um, in the next few weeks there's a real triathlon event here it's a it's a small version there's some rolling starts but it's pretty exciting because something that I have done in the past and I've really only just got into it before I did a a triathlon event in Melbourne when I was there and I've done those before sprint distances which was it's the I guess after you've done a few of the small events this is the next step so on the 29th of May here in Singapore there's a triathlon event in a place called East Coast Park so it's actually on Ocean Swim a couple of laps on the bike uh, loop and then the running loop so it's really good opportunity um, and kind of rekindles my fitness journey as well which i am going to share on live work digital moving forward with different podcasts moving um moving on from this one after this update so the this live work digital platform hopefully will be catalyst to share the next part of my fitness journey so that's uh, pretty exciting there um, from that point this fitness journey will uh, lead up to a big goal that I'm about to set myself. So I have recently set a goal to compete in the Asia Masters Games in Korea in May 20, in May 2023. My sights uh, are set to compete in a an Olympic distance triathlon event in Joan Book. I think I probably butchered the name of that, but it's a one and a half kilometer swim, uh, 40k bike ride and a 10k run so it's a really good opportunity for me to see how, how how good or bad my swimming is from in the next 12 months but hope to share my experiences in the blog uh, sorry podcast and maybe even on youtube um so there's a couple of different platforms that we've had live work digital on has driven me to this healthy lifestyle being you know, 52 years old now, so it's been an opportunity for me to be able to show people that it's never too late, that the opportunity is there for us to be as healthy as possible. We don't know how long any of us are going to be on this earth, but, you know, I think my philosophy is you want to be able to give it the best opportunity to live the longest, healthiest life we can for our friends and their families especially kids so my kids drive me to be as healthy as I can so I can you know enjoy the time with their kids as well so there's a couple of things that I'd like to share as we move forward as to how I am going to achieve that what I do for my training and uh, you know, things like supplements and 
and different things. There's been some real uh, mind-blowing moments in the last couple of years for people that I've known and the, that have passed away suddenly. You know, people who are in my age bracket that are sporting figures that have passed away recently, and it, it kind of, um, you know, I guess, jogs my my motivation to to be able to not waste this opportunity to do something that I, you know, that's probably easier to do nothing with, but um, it gives me the opportunity to get off my bum and motivate myself to never die wondering with all, about all the things that I could be doing to keep healthy, to be the best parent, to be the best husband I can be. So so that's one of the things uh, that uh, that is going to drive me the next 12 months. So um, I will share that with you as we move forward um along the way too hopefully i can maybe interview some people who are on the same journey um bring some people along as well and um you know document um how how i go so um but you know i want to spread the message that it's never too late to give something a go as a 50 plus year old guy gets tough on the old body uh but it can be done one thing that i've known is that i failed the in a lot of things, whether it's jobs, businesses, parenting decisions, um, businesses, products, I've used, I've done a lot of things. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty happy that I'm in the place where I'm at at the moment. And I hope I can continue this journey and, you know, share my experiences in the following months with anyone that wants to listen to this podcast and all the rest of it so but that's uh that's uh, about it for the moment but maybe one or two people might actually listen to the podcast maybe not but it's if i continue to build and live this digital work lifestyle that i'm you know that i'm trying to build and moving forward with then um this is the right platform for me to be able to share the things that i'm learning and um but at the moment, that's um, to maybe connect with some of you in the future. And hopefully, maybe you'd like to share some of the things with me as well. And uh, maybe uh, I might get Lisa on board and actually show you what she's doing, share it with you things that she's learned along the way. And we can um, you know, continue this live work digital path. But um, for the moment, thank you for listening. And we shall catch you soon. Ciao.